What up, what up? I'm Adrian Young. I'm Ali Shaheed Muhammad. And we are The Midnight Hour. And you are listening to Mega Late Show. Skirt. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You're youngin' up in here. Hey yo, peace, what up? Mega Late Show, episode number 111. Uh, on Mega. Mega Late Show is a Tokyo-based hip-hop and creative culture podcast. And uh, we come to you bi-weekly. That's twice a week. The first part of every episode comes out on Friday, which is, uh, this is the first part of episode number 112, and the next part uh, will be coming to you on a Tuesday, and on Tuesday we focus on uh, musical shares and things of that nature with our guests, and uh, the first part of the podcast, which is what you're listening to right now, is going to be some uh, questions about the artists and whatnot, and today uh, I alone have... Uh, one of the good homies, a uh, friend of ours, friend of the show. He's been on a podcast before where we talked about his uh, early upbringing and learning to play piano at age 12 and then all of a sudden having a tremendous talent and playing in clubs within a year. He's uh, a bit of a pianist uh, prodigy. Uh, it's our homie, Aaron Cholai. And um, I haven't gone back to edit this episode or to listen to it yet, but uh, just to let you know, he is kind of like a fucking genius, man. This is a, this is a good homie of ours. And, and um, I, I can imagine that the first part of the podcast is me kind of overexcitedly talking about his new album that just dropped the other day called Raw Denshi on his label, Namboku Records. I think it's called Namboku Records, uh, which is, you know, his, one of his newest endeavors. Um, I don't know, man. Just go and listen to it. We get into a lot of things and... Uh, I know I was overexcitedly talking about the album because it happens to be one of my favorite joints this year. Uh, not just because he's a good homie and friend, but man, it is just an incredible listen. I'm going to put the link in the bio so you guys can go check that out immediately. Definitely go back and check out his other work too. But man, this new project really just kind of, he kind of crossed the T's and dots the I's on, um, you know, his entire musical approach. It's just so wild and varied and such a rich palette of sound and uh, movements. It's really, really incredible. I can't really uh, say enough about it, but I, you will definitely catch that for the first part of the podcast, me getting really hype, and then, uh, you know, regular type of stuff. We even go into MMA towards the end of the second episode, and uh, lots of good shares, man. Go check him out. Uh, support independent artists, support Tokyo-based artists, support Black Lives Matter, support all of these endeavors, uh, defund the police, uh, here it comes right now. I think I think we start off with dick jokes. So, much love. I just every time I do it, it's just like fuck. You got me again. Yeah, like, I'm just not trying to get got. Got your ass. Yeah, even iPhones. Like fuck it, man. I'll give the Chinese right. government all of my private information. I'm on Huawei, son. Oh yeah. Yeah. You just for that? <laughs> yeah. Can you turn off? Can you turn off your data right now? I don't want them uh, <laughs> picking up the microphone in the house. They're gonna hear all our anti. Uh, Anti-political type of shit, yeah. and uh, ah, yeah. you know, send the stormtroopers in. Ah, uh, bro, all of our political views, the Chinese government's yeah. with us. Well, uh, that's one of the things, right? You kind of just gotta dance like the NSA isn't watching. Like, yeah. just it's like you know, it's one of like one of the rules for me is like, oh, um, no dick pics. Like, yeah, 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 It's yeah, like yeah, you yeah. could have anything. You could have you know, like all the dirt on my mom and dad. I'll yeah. I'll type that in the chat group. But yeah, no dick pics because that's the real leverage. Yeah, you know what I mean. Once they got your dick pics, then it's like, yeah. Yes, yeah, son. Yeah, I know. 
<laughs> and, and that's why you know you don't want any like and if you do have a dick pic you don't want like any distinguishing features like if you got like a birthmark on your hand make sure to cover that up so the it's picture another, doesn't have it you know it's another good reason to never get tattoos on your penis man well i made that mistake 20 years ago oh, did you really no no <laughs> but if i did i'm thinking what i would put on there it feels as though like it should be something uh, should, would it be a, like a like a like you know those uh barbed wire bicep tattoos yeah, yeah, just yeah. around your dick though that should be lit like you imagine pulling that out and lady's just like wow real animal <laughs> look at this guy he's about to tear this pussy up i feel like that's what they would say if i was a woman that's what i would say maybe i don't know <laughs> tough times though for uh that guy oh man yeah that guy's that guy's got it rough right now well, let's start it off man so what type of dick tattoo would you get me uh mm-hmm. jesus christ is, are you gonna do like like some traditional Papua New Guinea style tribal shit? Nah, man. I feel like nah. Your dick like that. You got permission to really just fucking run the boat right into the rocks if you're gonna. If you, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I don't. Yeah, I'm not doing anything culturally appropriate. Like, not <laughs> <laughs> right. We're really we're really going to town. I mean, what would you get? Well, you could get like, you know how they have those like that art that kind of is like forced perspective to make it look like a black hole or something like yeah. that, that really makes it look like, wow, like this is a 4D shape. You get one of those on your dick to like make it look larger. Seems like some forced perspective type of shit. You For know? sure. Or one of those magic eye things. But then yeah, you'd have like, people just staring into it. Well, that's what I kind of yeah, want sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? You don't want to pull it out and just have them like glance. You're like, find the dolphin. You know, like you got to <laughs> what you got to do is relax your eyes, cross them a little bit and then move back to find that magic eye. Yeah, that's what I would do. Yeah, I man. don't know, man. Yeah. <laughs> All right. We can we can move on from the uh, dick conversation. All right. Sure. But, Whatever. yo, like, man, I'm so happy to have you on a podcast. again. Yeah, buddy. It's good to see you again. Yeah. You know, um, the first time that you came onto the podcast, we were only acquaintances. Yeah. Um, we, we met maybe once or twice, and, and the, maybe the first time was just daps, and the second time was daps, a conversation, and then, uh, you know, I invited you over, and you're like, yeah, yeah, you came through. And uh, since then, man, I, you, you've been a person, I, I consider you my brother out here. Uh, you're, you're a person that I trust with sensitive information, and maybe even you, dick man. pics and shit, you know? But um, don't act like I don't have a whole hard drive. For yeah, yeah. Stuff. Well, you know, like I, I send them by fax and allow you to photograph them and upload them to the yeah, cloud. Yeah, just you know, I, just like I just don't want them on mine. Yeah. <laughs> and just for you people, it's nothing sexual. Mega just right. sends them just to make sure everything's still good. Right, like, right. Yeah. If, I, if he doesn't get one of those for me like every two weeks, then he knows to like send for help. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah. <laughs> but but no, nah, man, like you, you're a person who I, uh, who I consider a good friend of mine now. And uh, we've kicked it with several times. And, um, yeah, it's like uh, we, we were kicking at the park a couple weeks ago doing our social distancing. Yeah, man. And that's the first time I hung out with anybody in, like, three months. Same here. Actually, yeah. since March, I've seen you twice, and that's been right? the most interaction I have with anybody. But, yeah. yeah, man, look, I feel the same way about you, family. Like, you know, live close to each other. It helps. Cool. Yeah. That helps, too. Like, we right around the corner from each other and yeah. shit, too. So. But, yeah, man, like, um, I, I'm going to do an intro uh, before. I'll record a little intro beforehand. But um, I, I get, everybody is going to know. Like, I, I always give you uh, tremendous props because at first I was like, oh, okay, he's a really talented artist. And then, you know, listening to your music and going back and finding out more about you. And I've told you this a couple times, man. I think you might be on the spectrum. I think you <laughs> might be like a, like an idiot savant, like, like a, real, idiot. a real fucking, like, super prodigy. And, that, not, uh, and it bugs me out because... Like I, I if, if a person raps well, I'm like, yo, you're fucking dope, right? And then if a person plays a musical instrument, I'm like, you're fucking dope. But you are considered like a fucking virtuoso, like a like a piano prodigy, right? Uh, yeah. Some people say that. Some people might say I've that. I've read some things that say that. 
Some people. That's like fucking that. weird. Yeah, I guess you're so. a fucking weird guy. Um, well, some people say that too, but I I really think all it is is man, I just got more time than most people. Like I don't do shit. I got enough time to sit and get into stuff and like. I'm not smarter. I don't, I'm not I don't like that. I don't like that. Yeah, you no, fucking started playing the piano, and then like two months later, you're like getting ex- accepted to like the most prestigious school. Like you have like an inherent ability. It don't it, like if you gave me two months with nothing to do but food and a piano, I could not advance that quickly. You have a like a, 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 a I don't I don't want to say God given uh, to to you know stratify it to some uh, religious ideology, but you have a, like an inherent like talent oh well thanks man that's nice of you to say but yeah i I don't know i think especially at that age like i started when i was 14 and like you just absorb so much shit when you're young because you got nothing else to think about you know like yeah i mean i recently last time i was here i think we talked about i recently had a similar experience with jujitsu where like you know see that's just weird couple of years but like i really had nothing else going on and it became actually really detrimental to music because i found myself not making like literally not not doing anything musical and just not doing anything else i would go you know train for like eight hours and then come back and then just look at videos and research everything and then think about it and so it's like it's I, I'm obsessive, and I got a okay. lot of time to obsess over stuff. That's yeah, really to, it. to clear that up for our listeners, like you decided to start rolling some Brazilian jiu-jitsu, yep. and all of a sudden you're rolling with like what the what, you're running with like the Japanese. Uh, well, it was the kind of pro, uh, like team of where I was at. Okay. Yeah. Uh, number one, you know, uh, I I don't know. Like a lot of people don't really understand Brazilian jiu-jitsu or MMA, yeah. and, and and to kind of just go off on that. Brazilian jiu-jitsu is not like the other TMAs, the traditional martial arts, right? Mm. It's not like Aikido or even Judo, right? Even though Judo uh, is a fairly strong base, and it's not like Taekwondo where you put a six-year-old in there, and by the time that they're 10, they're fucking second-degree black belt. Mm. You know what I mean? With Brazilian jiu-jitsu, for an adult person who is trying to train and move up in the ranks under... Uh, a qualified practitioner, somebody who has a legit lineage for their belt, it usually takes about two years to get a blue belt, right? Mm. That's like the average time Mm. for a blue belt. That's a second belt. Mm. After that, it's purple. A purple belt could take somebody, you know, four or five years. And you accomplish this shit within two years. Yeah. See, that's nuts. And that's where I get into the shit where it's like, you might be on a spectrum. (laughs) <laughs> like well, you might be you might just have like a, a crazy savant ability to just pick up shit because both know. of both music and brazilian jiu-jitsu it, it, brazilian jiu-jitsu is not just like some physical thing you learn how to throw a kick it's very strategic and chess-like and and mathematical it, it's like yeah. you have to pos- positioning and knowing steps to, of technique and drilling those and getting the muscle memory it's unlike any other martial art in that regard. That's true. But you know what is interesting? Like the the thing that I found comparable with like learning how to play an instrument and learning jujitsu and even learning a language like Japanese is it's really like once you understand how to practice something and, and have realistic ideas about what it means to practice something like doing something for for like, you know, 15 minutes a day or half an hour is never going to get you anywhere. Word. So you got to go hours. So that's hours. why I don't know how to speak Japanese very well. Those five minute Duolingo <laughs> moments are just not add enough enough. I mean, yeah. it's better than nothing for sure. But yeah. like, if you're really trying to get good at something, like you have to go hard. And you'll, you'll have sure. to, yeah. 
I don't know, but uh, the other thing is to do shit that you like doing. Yeah. And it doesn't feel like work. Yeah. Well, you know, uh, that this was a really long way for me to kind of highlight uh, how dope I think you are and how crazy I think that you get so you're so dope at it. Uh, I'm listening to your newest album um, that you you uh, you sent me the link. It's not out yet, but not by the yet. time this by the time this episode drops, it'll be out. Yep. And um, I, I want to get into the label and uh, all the details about the album. Of course, we'll play some of the songs from the album on the second half of the podcast, which will drop in a few days if you're listening to this one right now. But um, I also want to talk a little bit about, you know, your background and, and the jazz influence to the album and things of that nature here. Uh, I think our listeners just heard like a fire truck. Oh, yeah. I got the window open. Are you yep. a little warm? Should I turn on the air conditioner too? Oh, whatever. I feel like that'd be tight. Sure. Cause I'm hot. Are you running hot? No, I'm good. But like, yeah. You cool with that? Yep. I'm gonna I'm gonna turn it on then. Right. Okay. But yeah, yeah, man. So uh, I've been listening to the album uh quite a bit, and I don't think that I really gave it its. Uh, I didn't listen to it uh the, the way that I feel like an album should be properly listened to, which is my mistake. But also, it's because I was streaming it most of the time, right? Yeah, sure. And what when it comes to you know a song of course you know i'll listen to it and boom but with this man this feels like a cohesive project that should probably be played from start to finish almost like a like a like a movie almost like i i feel yeah. i feel like there's a there's a flow there and 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 uh, so many different vibes and the palette is so rich uh, it, it's really dope man can you, oh, thank you. the the name of the album let me l let you tell me about the album uh okay so the album is called raw denshi and um you know i guess for people that don't know my background for the last 10 years or so i've been working as a beat maker out here in japan with um labels like jazzy sport and oil works and you know primarily sampling things and, and and chopping drums and doing that sort of stuff but prior to that i lived in the states and um australia working as a jazz pianist and i sort of gotten to the point now where like I wanted to, I haven't really put out any of my own projects here. Like I've done collab records as a beat maker and things like that, but it was, was kind of. Was your last joint the joint with Daiichi Window? Yeah, that was the last. Um, and that was like two years ago. Yeah, it was about Maybe? two years ago. Um, yeah, and like you know that that's a great example of of stuff that I've been doing. Like it's just chopping breaks, chopping samples, and and putting stuff out on hip hop labels, and um <clears throat> and all collaborative, all with rappers. Like not a lot of instrumental stuff, but it sort of came time to make my own shit. And um, like not just this one album, but like from now on, like I, you know, I want to kind of step to the front a little bit and have a bit more control over the music and what I do. So I was like, oh, how do we kick this th thing off? And what do people not really like? Yeah, you know, I know people don't know everything that I do, but like, how can I show how all of this fits kind together of to me? Combine yeah. it into like a co like a uh, I don't know. Like a coherent, uh, an amalgam of yeah. everything that you like to, to everything do. that I like who to do. you are. Yeah, exactly. And I'm the I, I listen to a lot of abstract music. Like I love everything from Bella Bartok to um, you know David Lang, like classical composers from uh, you know the American stream and and even Webern and people like that. But then also John Coltrane, Louis Armstrong, uh, more modern jazz stuff like uh, you know the downtown New York scene, like Ellery Escalon and Jim Black hip-hop everything man i you know like recently i've been listening to a lot of like appalachian mountain banjo music like i listen Word. to everything so trying to sum all of that up in a record is a really hard thing to do and sp it took a lot of time to you know like i wrote the music quite meticulously we went into a studio 
um, recorded everything, but then I took it out and then chopped everything back up to apply sort of some techniques I learned from beat making. And, um, and then just got the regular crew that I've been working with to jump on it. So rappers like Kojo and Daichi and, and we did it between here in Australia as well, you know, so there's a lot of different musicians, there's a lot of improvising, there's a lot of complex compositional stuff happening. But hopefully, like if you aren't experienced in that kind of like art music thing, you can still sit back and appreciate the kind of, you know, groove element to it and the rap and, and some of the singing, and, you know. Well, w one of the things that's interesting to me is that, um, you know, you come across you come across a hip hop album, right? Like, which this this sounds like a hip hop album, I suppose, good, good. to me, because, it, you know, there's it's a lot of yeah. there, there's a lot of MCs on there and you come across a hip hop album that is like a jazz fusion hip hop type of album. Right. Yeah. And a lot of times when you have an album like that, uh, like I'm struggling to remember a name of like a real jazzy type of hip hop group. Like, what is it? Avant Dill. Oh, yeah. So yeah, like right. When a lot of times you come across that, what you what what it sounds like is jazz musicians playing beats. Yep. You know what I mean? But this man, so many of the tracks they'll start off. It's like okay, that is a weird time signature for the drums, and then it's like okay, that that that's interesting, kind of a a, a piano run or a loop, mm. and then you'll have like these moments where you'll take a minute to play some crazy piano run and some crazy piano melody that is really like directly from a jazz influence, but it also has like the it, it incorporates like you'll you'll edit like a note so it's like a different in, like a different piano sound right yeah and and there's all this incorporation of just this it's experimental but accessible um in, in a way that it's like uh i i call it a hip-hop album but man this is unlike most of the other shit oh thanks it, it, man it's 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 um it's it's one of my favorite albums of the year and i'm not just saying that because uh you're a good friend of mine i listened to this and i was like this needs to be heard oh, like all brother. of the people that i know that would like like music's like this is dope the the only thing that would prevent some people from enjoying it is maybe because they won't be able to understand kojo and daichi at times and the other japanese artists but sure. the production on it is so lush and varied like there's these movements and I, I love the fact you're just listening to it and then all of a sudden for like a minute and a half like you're just playing fucking piano on this crazy and your technique's strange too by the way yeah, yeah. you don't sound like a like a lounge playing pianist I, I i saw you play with uh what's old boy that was playing uh, with yashimoto akihiro yeah i saw yeah. you playing with akihiro and I, I was in there and i was like wow your music is so like whimsical but menacing it's like a child like throwing rocks not <laughs> at you but like towards your direction so there's a sense of danger but there's also like a, a joy in seeing a children play it, the, the album the album is is nuts man oh uh, thank you the man. album is nuts hearing that from you is actually really i mean i know you know music and and how you describe it right now is like i couldn't have uh, come up with a better mission statement when I started it. Like, that's what I was trying to really do is like make something that was experimental but also listenable because I appreciate things like that. Man, well. I, like, I'm gonna play, I'm gonna play some, um, I'm gonna play some of the uh, the music the next, the next, uh, the next hour, but let me just put on something for just, just a second. Yeah, sure. As we kind of talk over it, right? Yeah. So, 
So this is Daichi. This is Daichi. Yeah. Alright, so it starts off like, oh, this could be a hip-hop beat, you know, like... And so this is you, um... This is you playing the keys, and then you've, you've got somebody, you wrote music for the horns and yep. other elements? Yep. Okay. And then this is actually um, Yoshi, the saxophone player okay. we were just talking about. But yeah, doing little things like this where the section that Daichi raps on is the same section that Yoshi solos over the chords with. Okay, right. Like trying to have cohesion. Th in that's that. another thing is like you'll bring you. Uh, I'm not a music theorist. I don't understand like mm. especially jazz music theory, but you'll hear something and then it'll come back and it'll kind of like crescendo later and everything will tie together. It's 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 like a real masterpiece, man. Oh, thanks, man. Even without the uh, MCs and the, the vocalists over it, this album plays like it, it, it's not a loop of here's a, a beat loop with subtle changes, you know, like not even in the sense of like a Dilla who would vary his drums and time signatures of the samples coming in like there's a lot of things incorporated into these beats they're so full and lush and like they're thought-provoking and it seems as though you put a lot of thought into every single aspect of the album yeah. things just come and go and come back and join together and voltron and the whole shit is crazy to me son Thank you, brother. I, I appreciate it. Yeah. Like, see, that was just like that's there goes like some nice shit that comes in, and here's some rapping, and then it kind of like comes down again, and then you go a minute, you go a minute later, and then it's just like, here we go. You know, you get the piano for you know a minute, and it's like this speaks. I think that this speaks to like a younger generation. You know, I don't know how old Daichi is. He just seems like a young cat to me for yeah. whatever reason. But it seems like it speaks to his generation. But my father would listen to this. Um, you know what I mean? Right. Uh, he he he's not a hip hop head. He's a jazz head. But he would love this. Right. Like it's beautiful, man. Oh, uh, thank you, man. Beautiful. Like this, like. Oh yeah. Killing it. I don't even know, like you know, what's going on at all. I just know it's like it sounds good to me, but it sounds like some high-level art. Look at that. Yeah, on this one too is like chopped in. Like piano and roads, like jumping yeah. back and forth a bit. Yeah, well, look, like I was saying before, I get obsessive about things, and this album took about two years, and um, it was just a lot of like getting songs to a certain spot and obsessing over it and being like, oh, it's like, all right, fuck it, like I'll just go right. and do this little extra thing. And those little extra things probably took another year. So it's highly detailed. One thing I was, I was, um, like I'm hoping is that it won't be too dense, like very close friends have listened to it and as a compliment have said it's quite overwhelming like there's so much going on and it's a short record it's like 38 minutes yeah. or something but yeah you get to the end of it and you could be exhausted there's, there's, there's a lot well, of shit going there on. is a lot going on but what what i find fun about it is like as a as a person that loves to see that type of thing like with, with the lyricist sometimes it's fun to unpackage everything and try mm. to break apart everything that's one of the reasons i like aesop rock oh, because yeah. it's like I could listen to it and I'll hear a, a bar and be like, wow, two off-leash griffins at the Westminster Chen Kennel Club. Mm. I was like, oh, that's crazy. He's got mythical animals at the at the you know prestigious you know dog show. Mm. And I pick up on that line. And it's like, oh, that's really dope. I got that. But then I could spend another 
three days trying to unpackage what he means by everything and all the things. And to me, this music is like really accessible off bat. But if you sit down and you kind of listen to it, more things unfold to you. The first time I listened to it, I was like, wow, that's really good. And then I think it was around track three with um, Manami. Uh, Kakudo, yeah. It was around that where I was like, wait a second, wait a second, wait a second. And it's like, oh, okay. It's like, this is like three distinct little movements here. And in the end, it all kind of like more comes together. And I was like, wow, this is a lot more dense than than I thought it was. So you could you could listen to it casually or you can listen to it with, you know, the, the most critical analytical device and find new things. It's Thanks, dope, man. man. Yeah, I, I appreciate it, man. I want to I want to get into more of the tracks and the titles and sure. like what you did and like hot like points that you really like on the second part of the podcast. Sure. Uh, let, let's go back to kind of just talking a little bit more about um, the meaning of it, the inspiration coming together and shit. Um, what, what does the title come from? Is that like raw electricity or? Yeah. Um, like I'm real bad with titles. You know, I don't know. I don't I don't think in that, those ways. So usually titles for me. Um, come after everything but this album like I guess I was trying to touch on the idea that you've sort of got like this duality of play through it I guess like um, jazz versus hip-hop like the Japanese versus English element but then there's the main thing for me as the guy making it is how to balance acoustic instruments with electro electronic stuff so sampling and and uh, notation and, and um, arranging and all of that and so yeah raw is like a you know hip hop sure. word, but um, you know it kind of really means like you know nama in Japanese nama denshi, mm. or raw electricity. Um, it's just the acoustic instruments versus the samplers. You know that's that's kind of it's an interesting balance, man. And you struck a really a really dope balance between it. Thank you. Man. How how long did it take to make the album? About two years. I okay. Think, yeah. Yeah, I recorded it. Uh, maybe a little less. I recorded it in in December 2018. Daichi and I went to Australia to do a little tour, and um, after the tour, I stuck around. <coughs> and um, there, I mean, it's a, it's kind of a long story, but there's a, a university out there or a TAFE course, which I guess in the states would be a community college. Sure. Um, uh, it's, it's a great music school and it just started up and while that school was starting up the, one of the biggest studios in Melbourne had sort of just gone under and was selling a lot of their analog you know tapes tape gear and, and preamps and stuff and so this university bought it all and set up a studio and um they're you know it's decked out they've got amazing equipment over there and they asked if I'd go and do a week of sort of workshops and lectures while I was in town and in exchange they would give me the studio for a week and I could do whatever I want so I was like I right, bet yeah. So I went in there for a week. They they just started a hip hop course as well. So they wanted me to talk to the kids about like, uh, you know, like sampling techniques, but then also how to work with with live instruments. So like, what a like a perfect situation to actually try those theories out, like in the studio. It's like, all right, well, let's make a record. I'll get all of the musicians that I grew up playing with in Melbourne. Um, we'll use all this great gear, you know, and I'll go back to Japan and see what happens. And so we we were there for a week, recorded all the stuff. And the files were huge and I came back and just didn't know, you know, where to start from. And then just slowly kind of, you know, open things up, chopping drums, rewriting things, getting people to record stuff and send it back. And So most of the other uh, musicians, most of the other musicians are uh, 
from Australia, or you picked up on like I, I know you mentioned some Japanese yeah. musicians, but well, the, 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 the initial, initial the initial recording session was all Australian musicians, and then as things needed to get added and people I wanted on the record featured, then more people from out here okay. became a part of it. And, um, but there was multiple recording sessions with you know in, in here and in Australia throughout it. How long ago did you finish it? Have you been sitting on it for a while? Or? No, man. Like, I like through all the jujitsu stuff, I didn't touch it. <laughs> oh I no, shit! Right. But I was thinking about it a lot. So, like, there was that first, first uh, couple of months of working on it, and then 2019, I barely touched it. And I, w I went to Australia in November last year, and um, started thinking about it again. And when I came back here, like January just went in and then the covid shit happened and like right. you know, just couldn't do anything else and i started to see a way into it and it just came together really in the last three months i want to say but like it's like anything though i think like again this comes back to the thing we were talking about with practice and and stuff like i think a lot of what you're trying to realize like whether it's output like if it's making an album or if it's like composing a tune or if it's practicing a move or anything like a lot of the work really happens in your head the rest the other part of it the other side of it is the communication of it like it doesn't it doesn't take me that long to sit there and put like a track together but what takes a long time is knowing how to put it together so once you've got that that pathway like figured out in your head then it's just sort of manual labor really you're just sure. doing stuff so that year was just like i was thinking through it a lot and then when i sat down it was like okay well i already know what to do so let's just do the work and that took about three months so Damn. Yeah. Well, uh, I'm I'm really excited for you, man. I think uh, I think people are gonna hear this and think it's really, really dope. Thank you, man. <coughs> I appreciate it. Yeah, congratulations. Thank you. I'm I'm curious, like uh, your approach to jazz music and your approach to making hip hop beats is so so different. Like, what are kind of some of your thoughts on the state of like? We don't call it jazz hop because you know technically, like fucking, they used to say shit like jazz hop back in the day to describe like. Yep. Dela and, and tribe right but yeah, that was yep. not never really like jazz hop what what do you think about some of your like some of the guys who are making things that would be considered like jazzy hip-hop i mean look I, I like it i like that it exists but i think a lot of what i hear like would Kiefer be a jazzy hip-hop player i think so you know what right. like I, I think Kiefer is an interesting dude because he's he's a jazz guy that really knows how to play and he really also knows how to make a beat and that's sort of the problem that i have with a lot of jazz guys doing hip-hop stuff or hip-hop guys doing jazz stuff it's like they only really know one side of it mm -hmm. and i'm not saying that everyone needs to know both sides it's hard to do those things but as someone that can do both things if i look at like a glassbury record or something i see holes in it like mm. i think honestly like i think a lot of it's kind of lazy and it's more um it's like theatrics over substance or something like that well, you know, not like I love Kiefer's music and I think he's one of the best, but like his uh, his approach to playing piano on a track is much different than what the type of stuff I hear you doing on like this type of album. It's almost like he's playing with like one hand. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. It's like you're 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 yours is just a little bit more complex in that type of execution. Well, that's what I mean by like, I think sometimes people don't go in as hard as they would normally like. I mean, to talk from a very technical point of view, like. If Kiefer was doing a jazz gig, he would be doing a lot more uh, to manipulate the harmony. He'd be like interacting with the drummer. There'd be a lot more rhythmic stuff happening. And that's kind of what jazz improvising is. It's like, it's not just 
how cool your lines are. It's really about interacting with the music that's going on and sort of trying to chuck acid on it and make it like melt and do another thing or, you know, and it's really hard to do that if you're playing with the drum machine. It's a really, because right. you don't, you're, you're really just playing against loops and, and you're playing against the loop bass line. And so it's hard to manipulate the, the harmony and to do those things that you would with a jazz band. But you can do it. Like you just have to practice it. Like you would practice anything and you sure. have to find a way in. And that was one of the things I really wanted to do with this. Like that little snippet that you just played. It's I'm playing against the loop, but I'm really trying to melt the harmony, like disguise where the bar lines are. And so there's you get this feeling that you are playing with live musicians and, mm -hmm. and stuff. But yeah. You that, know what I mean? Like yeah. and, and I don't mean to sound critical of them, but I think that's one of the problems that poses itself when you do the jazz hip hop crossover. It's like how to interact properly with electronics or like you know uh, drum machines but then also from the other side of it like if it's a jazz guy and it's too heavy on that sort of stuff well where is the hip-hop element right. of like you want i want a break beat i don't want a jazz drummer mm -hmm. to play a hip-hop beat like i like it when it's chopped and sure and um i like it when the bass is filtered sometimes i don't want just the bass to play it i i wonder if like the approach to making it a little bit more experimental works in your favor like favor uh in in terms of allowing it to have a little bit more freedom because okay. you you go back and, and and you read source magazine articles or you think about the temperature of the time like at first the roots were kind of criticized because they're like yo this doesn't sound hip-hop enough it doesn't sound like right. a record like they're doing it and i don't think that they really caught like that kind of perfect balance between live instrumentation and sampling until like um things fall apart mm. but the, but th they always had a difficult before that they had a difficult time striking that balance and then from there they kind of maintained it yep. you don't really have a lot of the roots albums where it gets as kind of jazz heavy and free as your approach here and most of the other uh like hip-hop type of uh groupings or you know mc with band it's either like yo um we're we're a live band playing hip hop beats, mm. you know what I mean, with our instruments, or it's just like um, this is a jazz album and we we saved a spot for an MC, you yeah, know what yeah. I mean? So there, it's weird to strike that balance. It, it seems like uh, for you, it, and I think this album is experimental as fuck. Yeah. Right? It's not a conventional boom bap hip hop type of album or approach, and maybe maybe that allows a little bit more freedom for you. I think I think so. I mean, I tried to just approach it like I would with a jazz record in terms of the writing. Like, so the, a lot of the jazz stuff that I do is, is quite experimental anyway. So in that sense, it's just that with rappers, but also a hip hop sensibility in terms of, you know, how it was made and how it was mixed and stuff like that. But yeah, like the Roots are an interesting group. Like, um, I don't know. I don't even know if they ever said that they were a jazz band, but they're right. they're, they're not. Like they're they're a live mm -hmm. hip hop band, and I think they did a lot for like to sort of you know create a standard of how to approach playing hip hop with live instruments. Because if if you're a hip hop band, like if you're not trying to do the jazz crossover thing, but you just like you, you know I play drums and mm -hmm. I love hip hop and that's what I want to do. Fucking good for you. Like that right. shit is beautiful. And some people do it really well. And Quest Love is incredible at that shit. Right. But there's a way to do it. Or there's yeah. a way that that sounds good that's already established. Maybe someone will find another way. Sure. But um you know, versus like if you look at the Glasper stuff, like Chris Dave, who's really incorporated a lot of like extended technique and a lot of jazz application to Chris his Chris Dave drum. the uh, the drummer. The drummer. Okay. Yeah. 
him and Questlove's styles are two very different things, but I would argue that Chris Jay's approach is a way more jazzy mm-hmm. approach where you're dealing with real like mathematical subdivisions of things and and also the how the drums are tuned, they're tuned higher. They're like So it's a, it's a really different sort of thing, but Questlove's mm. drumming is kind of like, I, I get it as a beat maker. It's like, sure. yeah, that's what you want drums to sound like. Yeah. yeah. It, it, you know, um, I'm uh, I mentioned earlier, like I'm not trained in musical theory or anything like that. So I don't notice some of the more technical nuances to a Chris Dave or a Kiefer. Mm. But, um, you know, I, I, a lot of times like listen to your album. I'm like, well, this is like this is obviously more complex and you just don't see it. Uh, and, and I'm not I'm not trying to be critical of people that make that type of music. As I said, like I love Kiefer Kiefer uh, his Kicking It Alone album was one of my favorite albums that year. Oh, he that's fucking such a great it's yeah. it's great. It's incredible. Yeah. But uh, I guess what I'm trying to talk about is kind of strike a uh, like a make a comparison between the approaches because it's it's so strange. I I um I can't think of another hip hop album that incorporates jazz in the way that you've done on this. Is there uh, anything that comes to mind for you that you think is somewhat comparable? Like it's weird i mean to be really honest the yeah like it'd be olive oil and japanese beat makers i think okay even though it's jazzy like i think does olive oil make like um play his own instruments and stuff or is no, it all sample driven? it's all sample driven okay. but it's the samples that he use and the way that it's all put together because you know however you look at it like it's all just musical material like whether it's if it's a sample it's of people playing anyway um but how it's put together in the computer or on the sampler is that everyone's going through the same process, mm-hmm. whether it's a jazz record or a hip-hop record. But the way Olive um, moves through things very quickly and his, his music is very sectional and um, his drums are off-kilter. And, you know, I think, it, it, yeah, it might be hard for some people to see, but if you know Olive Oil's music, I reckon, like, you can see real parallels between mm-hmm. this record and stuff that he does. And, um, you know, it's like, man, look... I'm really influenced by my friends and my peers and the people I'm around. Like, I think my friends are the dopest ever. And I'd, I've got so many dope friends around, it's hard to hear music outside of my immediate circle. So, like, if I'm influenced by anybody, it's by, like, people like Olive Oil and Fitz and, you know, Onra and um, even jazz musicians like Yoshi and, and Shun out here. Like, I just listen to... Shun uh, Ishiwaka? Uh, Ishiwaka, yeah. Yeah. So, it's, it's really influenced by all them people. Okay. Yeah. So you're um, you're out here, and uh, I saw you play a, a, a jazz set or have a jazz performance for the first time. I've seen you play beats at like the hip hop joints, you know, mm-hmm. Batika and other places like that. But uh, a couple weeks well, before the COVID, I guess, I guess maybe January, mm-hmm. uh, I went down the street here to a jazz club that you're playing um, with Yoshi, and um, you know, jazz is is much different. People were in there sitting quietly, looked like an older crowd and yep. things of that nature. What what's the jazz community like out here? Um, yeah, look, there's a few different uh set, like areas of it, I guess. The kind of like the hip hop world. Like there's the very commercial jazz world, which would be like the Blue Note and um, you know, Cotton Club, which is it's really like for lack of a better word, like American, I guess. Like it reminds me of when okay. I was in America, like they're trying to recreate that feeling of like you're in New York City and you go into a jazz club and right. you're hearing like really kind of New York style uh, hard bop or something like that. Um, and then there's the more kind of local scene, which is 
like yeah, I guess the the scene that like that club that we played at would be representative of that. Still, like people wearing suits and sitting at a table and being very quiet. Um, and it's an older crowd who just really like jazz. Like they're probably people that can afford like really hi-fi stereos and collect vinyl, and it's a specialist sure. sort of crowd. And then there's this other scene which you like a few weeks after or maybe before that you came down to catch us after Shimokita. A gig in Shimokita's art. Right. And that kind of gig is like the kind of we're, we're playing like musically different sort of stuff, like more high energy, like we're all drunk on stage, everyone's smoking, the club's packed and it's a real young crowd. And afterwards, like the band and the crowd all like go out drinking. Okay. You know, so it's a real, that's kind of like where. I saw that video, video of that, uh, that you posted online. Yep. Um, I saw a video of that you posted online. I was like, damn, I would have liked to be there. It looked like a fucking blast. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There was another cat that w- didn't go out to drink with us afterwards. I think it was a white cat. Oh, Marty. Yeah, yeah. He's from I forget what he was playing. Like a the bass. Tr- okay. Oh, but yeah. No, sorry. No, he was playing the trombone. Yeah, trombone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I was like, oh, man, that looks like a fucking blast. Yeah. You know, everybody's up there kind of just wilding out. Yeah, the, it's wilding. The music was different, raucous. you know? Yeah, yeah. I like to see that. Yeah, it's like in that way, it's a little bit more um, like a club vibe, even though it's not a club, like a like a hip hop thing. It's just people are there to have a good time. People will talk through the set. We want you to talk. Like, we want you to just like chill out. Can I have you get a little bit more up on the mic? Oh, just sorry, man. Sorry, sorry. Um, yeah, so that 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 jazz scene exists here as well. It, I mean, there's that if wherever you live, like there's a jazz scene like that where it's not all snooty and like you know, you can you can go and just be yourself and have a good time because ultimately jazz should be that anyway. I think it's that kind of music. Sure. It should be the people's music. But there's an immediacy to that type of music that works best with like a crowd that is into immediacy. Yeah, you know, like you gotta create that temporary autonomous zone. Yeah, man. Yeah. yeah, for sure. You know, I feel I feel like I don't know. Jazz is like some sometimes it gets a bit of a bad rap. Like it's sort of seen as this highbrow, right? You know, and it can be for sure. But at its best, it should be fun and exciting, and you should be able to get what's going on and have a good time. You know. I I mean, uh, I'm not so knowledgeable about uh, the jazz community and artists, but I'm always. I've always got like my toes into it, you know. I know Chris mm. Dave. I've been listening to uh, Shabaka Hutchings and yep. uh, Save Gendel, that album I sent you. Like those are, you know, contemporary jazz musicians who are younger, who are making, you know, not soft jazz. You know what I mean? They're making experimental and trying new things, and uh, it's really refreshing and dope. But I just, I'm just not familiar with the community like that. Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah. No, look, there's, there's all all forms of it wherever you are and that's one of the cool things about jazz it's like hip-hop you go somewhere and you'll you'll meet a bunch of young cats doing something okay uh, doing something different and um is there a is there like a big difference in the japanese jazz community as compared to you know australia or even back when you're you know in new york or something like that yeah new york and australia and japan are really really different is it because there's less drugs here do you think that plays a part? I think, I mean, maybe, maybe. I just feel like if I go to the jazz event, I kind of want to be high. And out here, yeah, it's like, yeah, you yeah. know, like that's possible, but most people just don't really endeavor to to do that. Yeah. I, th- I just think the the main difference really here, it's like, and this isn't a musical ability difference. Like wherever you go, there's dope players that like, you know, uh, that are incredible. Out here, there's some incredible musicians. 
But the scene feels different. Like, Japan has a very different relationship with jazz than America or Australia does. Like, it was really important here at one time. And it was, you know, like, after the war, um, when, you know, like, people were, like, just down. Like, the, the, the whole country was in poverty. People were starving. Like, no one had any money. And then, bam, the Korean War starts up. And America funds companies like Toyota and Nissan to like make tanks and, and stuff. And like all of a sudden the economy starts booming and people that were out like looking for food and trash cans, all of a sudden like the CEOs mm -hmm. that are rich. And so with this new wealth, like people wanted to, like everyone got behind democracy. It was like, holy shit, maybe the Americans were right. Right. And American culture starts to dominate and jazz comes in then. And because Jap Japan has this aging population, a lot of the people that were kind of like consumers at that time of American culture are still alive. They're the ones that's kind of like keep all of these jazz clubs open and why there's such a vibrant scene here. And so that's a very different thing like to how you see it in the States. Like in the States, especially in New York, like it really feels like black music. Like it's, th I mean, in New York itself, there's different scenes, like the, depending whether you're uptown or downtown. But um, where I was, it was like, it's, it's a real, like, it's like a folk music out there, mm -hmm. you know, respected, but it, the, the social function is slightly different. The community feel is kind of different. Like, I feel in a weird way out here, it's... Um, is it derivative of, like, other country play styles? Is there, like, a, a kind of a uniqueness to a Japanese approach to jazz, or is it all just, you know, I listen, I listen to, of course, we have guys like Daichi and Dos mm -hmm. Monos who are creating new approaches to hip-hop using Japanese language, right? Mm. But we also have a bunch of fucking biters who are just making derivative shit that sounds like, uh, you know, the Migos or whatever popular act yep. just with Japanese voices. Is it kind of like that here too? Uh, lots of biters, lots, a few really dope individuals? I'm trying to get you to hate on the community. Yeah, probably. No, I mean, really, to be fair, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm not trying to get you to hate. I'm just, uh, I'm uh, so far from that, and I don't have the technical uh, uh, prowess to, to kind of see if shit is dope or not. Like, yeah, I don't yeah. know if somebody's really doing some cutting edge shit or if it just sounds like it. No, I think I think it's like anywhere. Like the most anywhere you go, most people are biters, really. Like if you want to hear derivative MCs, just go to New York. Or, yeah. yeah, no doubt. Yeah. So like the same thing here. It's like yeah, look. A large majority of people out here really aren't playing shit, but there is like a very strong community of people that really are that that could go anywhere in the world and like fuck some people up, you know. Um, Shun is fucking crazy. I've yeah, been watching Shun, his videos. That fool is Shun's nuts. definitely one of those guys. Yeah, he's insane. Mm -hmm. Like Sh Shun Ishiwaka, who we mentioned earlier, he's a dr uh, drummer, and you used to teach him. Uh, I wouldn't. Or no, I wouldn't say that. You you you've been around him playing for since his youth, though. Yeah, we like the university I went to out here has a specialist music high school, and he was there at fourteen, and um, so I've been playing with him there. It was a classical school, so we were the only two jazz guys. So I've known him for for you know ages. Sure, yeah. that guy's tight. When um, Maya was like, "Yo, this is like the best jazz drummer." In Japan, I was like, oh, okay, you know, I like to hype up my friends too. But then when I watched his video, I was like, oh shit, that fool is crazy. Yeah. And then his Wikipedia page is like, oh, that fool has hella awards for being fucking crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah that yeah. fool's tight. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah and, and I think he said his parents, like one of his parents, is Okinawan. Yeah, so, Okinawan you know, rock with that. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's crazy. Yeah. Ah, Namboku, right? Yeah, Namboku. Yeah, which is the name of your label. That's a good segue. It's Shout good out to the segue. God Mega for that. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Sometimes I get it done. No Biden over here. It's all original freestyle, son. Easy. 
but Namboku, right? So that's, that's the name is. of this label that you've recently created. Yeah, man, we just started it up this year. Really, we're kind of moving a little bit, and yeah, it was just again to have a central place to solidify, like you know, uh, the relationships that we got out here and and the people we're working with. You know, doing doing the same stuff, like you know, the jazz meets hip hop stuff, the classical meets jazz stuff. Like, w- there's a lot of great musicians and a really strong scene that's sort of not based on genre out here. People that do a ton of shit, like Shun. Mm-hmm. Shun does jazz shit. He does hip hop stuff. He plays classical music, um, and he composes. Um, there's a bunch of us like that that are just doing whatever, just whatever we like, and. You know, we want it branded in a particular way and we don't want to have to rely on uh, putting records out through Sony and like a lot of these mm-hmm. people that we've been working with for the last 10 years and we just want to do it ourselves. And right now is a perfect time to yeah. be doing that sort of shit. Everything so. I've seen you post about it looks really dope. Thanks, man. Yeah. You know, the video with, uh, uh, what was it? Miyama on the fucking... Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. What was that? Koto? Koto? Yep. Yeah, I was like, "Yo, it's like you're just gonna freak it on the Kodo? Like, <laughs> yo, that's crazy. It's it's really it's really dope, and I, I'm I'm all for that. It's Thank like a you, fucking uh, like an Anticon or like a Def Jokes, like some real underground weird shit that's just like high art, but fucking like grimy yeah. to a degree. You know what I mean? Oh man, you, yeah. That's that's what I like about it. That's exactly what we're trying to go yeah. for. Like a way to make art music slightly more not I don't want to say accessible, but just to make you see that like. You know, if you shoot, like, some contemporary classical music in a way that you might shoot a 90s hip-hop video, yeah. like, and that's how you promote it on the internet, yeah. it gives people a way in to see that, like, yeah, this is kind of, like, grimy, everybody music. Like, yeah. it's not snooty art music. Um, and, yeah, so we're just trying to do that. Yeah, um, I, I, do you guys have any new projects and shit coming out? or? Well, my record's coming out, and that's been a lot of work, because... You know, it's sort of the first one where we've tried to formalize how we're going to promote stuff online. And, and I think we've got a good feel with the videos that we're putting together and a good sort of rollout plan for stuff and seeing the numbers and how they move. And then so after that, Yoshi's going to come out with a trio album. And then uh, we got a guy, Subnet, who's actually like a beat maker, um, singer, songwriter from Bangkok. Okay. Is um, he out here or is he nah, just, okay, he's out there. Yeah, he's out there. Okay. And then um, Subnet. Sh- Subnet, yeah. Okay. He has, he's got you got to no hook music. me up with some of that music, man. Let me know. Yeah, for sure, sure. No, of course. And Shun will be doing some stuff. And, um, you know, we're just going to just roll it out. Good Exciting. Music the end of the year, yeah. Exciting. Music to make people in the club stroke their chin, son. Yeah, you know, don't <laughs> like, uh, don't make people head nod. Make them, make them keep their head still. Yeah, you know yeah, what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah, totally. Put the drink down. Like, yeah. Yeah. Do some research. You know, I was listening to your album and I was like, yo, what is the, uh, a lot of times when I listen to an album, I'm like, where is, I, I wonder where the artist wanted me to hear this. Like I, I pick up something like um, Panda Bear's Person Pitch album, right? Yep. The, like to me, that album is meant to be played on like a hot summer day with the windows open and like a, a like just a single film of sweat <laughs> covering your entire body you know what yeah, i mean like yeah, a little yeah. bit of that yep i was like uh, i wonder I, I was listening to um raw denshi and i was like i need to fucking hear this album outside oh yeah i feel like i was listening to it and i was like yo this i want to be and maybe it's just because i haven't been around the folks you know what i mean outside but i was like i want to be at like yoyogi park eating bentos with the homies while this plays in open air that's kind of how i wanted to oh, experience man. that one 
did, where, nice. did you have any intention of like, yo, this album is for for the car speakers or this album is for the headphones? Well, I definitely mixed it for the headphones. Um, but I... Rather than being like, I'd like people to listen to it like this, I was like, who's going to listen to it? And how are they going to listen to it? And to be honest, I, I wasn't really sure, and I'm still not, like, who's going to end up fucking with it. But the response so far from the little singles we put out and, and the promotion has been really good. And um, I thought it was just going to be a bunch of jazz musician nerds, that, you know, that'll, that'll buy it for the piano playing or, or something. But the hip-hop community out here has gotten right behind it. And, and you, uh, you released a video... Uh, uh, a video or maybe it was just not a video but it was uh the kojo track right oh, yeah, yeah yeah what is that a1 or af1 af1 yeah. uh and i played it on uh the podcast that i recorded two weeks ago and that episode is actually coming out as we're recording now it's coming out next tuesday okay. where I, it's on the podcast and i'm talking about it and i'm i'm like yo this album is going to be tight i can't believe it it's coming out soon thank you man. He, he pushed it back and um I play that for hip hop heads and I'm like, yo, this is fucking ill. So uh, I think, I think, um, speaking from my expertise, which I am uh, an expert expertise person, like I, 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 you know, it's all, it's all, uh, 200 IQ bullshit from the mega late show. Like <laughs> I, I listened to the album and the cats that listen to fucking J Cole would appreciate it. The cats that listen to fucking Billy Woods and underground shit would appreciate it and like all the jazz homies that i know would fucking love it too man it, it really is a, a a strange album that way i think it the youth would like it all the way up to my pops that oh, shit is great thank so you I'm, I'm hype man well yeah well you know like i guess i just imagine that people would listen to it on headphones on the train like i know that's sort of like a cliche kind of thing but that's what that's sort of what i, I thought it would end up being so I mixed it in that way. But, um, you know, you listen to it however you want. But I, I imagine that you're going to get the most out of it listening kind of start to finish. or Like you said, almost like watching a movie. Because in that way, I think it's very much a jazz record. Like some records are about vibe. Like you just put it on and you get a vibe from it. And you feel it and all that. And other records, like, you know, if I sit down and listen to a Coltrane record, like I'd I, that's where my attention is and I listen to what's happening and I think you might get the most out of it in that way with this one because there's a lot going on you can miss it if you want like that's totally fine but I think you'll enjoy it more if you go start to finish and check it all out by yourself lights off um preparing those dick pics you know what do I mean? it just before you fucking send them joints yeah. out son now that first joint where it's like uh what is it the third track um with manami yeah. you know where it's like it's the kind of like subtle and then it kind of crescendos and she's like yahoo and yeah. that's <laughs> when you take that dick pic right then you know what i mean you know what i'm talking about like right when that that joint comes in yeah man. crescendos and it gets real beautiful and airy and etheric for it just pull that dick out yeah you got <laughs> right then and there you gotta time it right man yeah. Every, all of the uh the dynamics of the songs <clears throat> if <laughs> It all starts as, as MP meets a piano, and it rises up to triple F, triple forte. When it hits that high note on the, on the mesa forte, you better be rock hard and have the fucking flash on, son. Mm -hmm. know what I mean? That's right. Put that bubble <laughs> lens on, too, if you're feeling a little bit insecure, you know what I mean? Yeah, Increase yeah, yeah, the yeah. girth with a little bit of that. Yeah. Just like a 90s, like Just rap like a 90s album cover, you know what I mean? Squat down, get the angle right there. You could even have like the little Nas Stillmatic pigeon. Yeah. Outside, <laughs> just Photoshop that shit in right there. The pigeon and everything. 
Shit, man. Well, well uh, this is what we'll do. Let's um, let's go ahead and we've recorded for about an hour. Let's go ahead and let people know where they can purchase the new album because it'll be out by the time this drops. And then we'll we'll talk about some of the tracks in detail in the next part. All right. So where can we get it? Well, I mean, right now you can get it on Bandcamp. And we're just doing a Bandcamp release initially. We just want to, you know, we're trying out a few things and seeing how we're going to run this label and whether we should make CDs and, and, you know, should we use like a distribution company? And there's, you know, we, we've got the ability to do that. We've got people from Jazzy Sport and Peabine helping us out with everything. But ultimately, man, if we can just keep it small and keep it within our little family and not, you know, I don't want to waste plastic. I don't sure. want to have to, you know, like if you guys would just go to Bandcamp and download it, that'd be awesome. But there'll be vinyl coming out later in the year. That's what I want. And um, yeah, like for the heads, you know, yeah. like. I think if you're really going to, if you're going to collect music, you might as well collect it in the best medium. For sure. You know yeah. What I mean? Not with the the MP3 compression and on the CDs and you know yeah tapes. And as as a musician tapes. too, it's like this kind of stuff. Like we want you to be to have the best experience possible. And I know people like CDs and stuff, but vinyl survives too, man. Yeah, man. You know, sixty year old pieces of vinyl are still treasured Shit, treasured man. pieces. You so. might need to buy some things that are surviving apocalypse. These yeah. Days too, Imagine when that EMP blast goes off. Where's all your MP3s going to be at then? Your Come vinyl on, will survive. Yeah, son. All we need to do is to get a generator. We'll connect it to a bicycle. You could just kind of bike to get the electricity. Run the vinyl right there. Tunes for days, Boom. bro. You know what I mean? Yeah. So prepare yourself for the apocalypse by purchasing these albums on yeah. vinyl. <laughs> Come on, man. Like, you know what I mean? Throw the cans of beans to the side. You know, for that for your emergency pack, you got to get a yeah. little record back, man. You don't. No doubt. Like, what are you gonna do? Eat tuna for six days straight? Nah, exactly. fuck that. You're gonna spin some records. Yeah. yeah. You know, what I mean, that's the only way you're gonna survive, anyways. Yeah, man. You know, we saw uh, what is it? I am legend. If oh, he yeah. didn't have those Bob Marley records, it would have been over for him. He would have shot himself. Yeah. Fuck, like, but he got to hear about someone shooting the sheriff. He doesn't. Yeah. yeah that's man. right. Yeah. That's right. And that's why we need art in times like this. So I want you guys to go check it out. I'll put the links all in the in the doodly do the bios, and uh, oh, excuse me, and catch us in a couple of days. Uh, where we're going to play some of the tracks and talk about some of the tracks and do the damn thing. So, uh, Megalay, Aaron Cholai. Yo, thank you. We'll be right back.